Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Back on sports on a Sunday morning. What a great first hour with Derek Gould and talking about Nolan Arenado. Xavier Pinson joined us live to discuss his 36-point outburst against TCU and the great performances across the board by the Tigers. Travis Ford, great to have him join us live as always. At 1045, SLU program will get back going this week. Coming up, Becky Sauerbrunn, the captain of the United States women's national team. Excited for that conversation from my garage happy hour. we got to get this guy on there, Josh Klingler, the sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs. How you doing, Josh? Good to have you on KMOX. Sounds like you've had a fun day already. Good grief. It, it has Turn been it a good all. day. Did you hear the open to the show to this hour? You get a little Mitch Holtis in there. You get a little, there you go. little Kansas City. I'm glad we're yeah. Glad we're still doing it, you know, <laughs> live, yep. live and survive another week. So, yeah, um, today, today I'm, I'm antsy today. So, I mean, I think we need to get the Super Bowl week underway. I'm sure that the, the Chiefs are using their time maybe better than I am. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, you get that kind of antsy feeling now, kind of an open Sunday right now. It's, it's time to play one more game of football. How does it feel? Does it feel any different from this time last year for you, Josh? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, the the conditions we're all living under made it a little bit different, difficult. The city hasn't maybe been able to celebrate together uh, like they were before. And then uh, the onslaught of people that were traveling down to Miami last year that ended up going and, and getting in the game, I'm guessing that number is going to be a lot different uh, this year with the limited number of people that will be in the uh, the stadium. I don't think the excitement level is any different. I, it's just the you know the state of where we are is a little bit different. It's certainly not routine, and it's certainly not um, you know arrogant and expe- expecting to be in this in this game every year. But, uh, but yeah, it's got a little different feel. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, are you surprised by how St. Louis has kind of jumped in? I mean, I I don't know how much you see that, but I know as us being one of your affiliates, KMOX carries the games, and I mm-hmm. think from here to Kansas City and all parts in between, it has become a chief state. I mean, this will happen when you win the Super Bowl, but it is absolutely spread uh, to the east side of the state, Josh. Well, and I know the Chiefs made a pretty big point of that when – when obviously everybody was jumping in to carve up the territory, right? When yeah. when the, when the Rams left, so the Chiefs had made a, a real prominent effort to 
to uh, kind of recruit uh, St. Louis, as it were, to to come over and and, and join the fandom. But uh, certainly winning, you know, speeds up that process. I'm guessing. I'm guessing too. But yeah, I, I know that that the Chiefs have been, uh, you know, really trying to to. I mean, they market to Iowa and Nebraska and points west as well and, and Oklahoma and so every everywhere around that they've kind of considered this is a kind of a, a regional team that they market to so yeah good to have St. Louis on board we'll take you it's good it's good to be part of it so let's break down this game here come the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Tom Brady what a story Chiefs are going to have to spoil this I expect a pretty tight game don't you this is a fascinating matchup you think anybody will do a story on Tom Brady being the greatest of all time and Patrick Mahomes being the next best. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the amazing part of this. We would call it a little bit the kind of the legacy game because this is this is a big one in terms of I guess narratives, sports narratives that we uh, you have to sometimes entangle yourself from. But if Tom Brady wins another one, um, he's put himself further out there, and if he takes one at kind of at the expense at, of of Patrick Mahomes as well, it might be the ultimate scoreboard. If Patrick Mahomes, you know, aims to make a run at, at Tom Brady, which they've talked about. They want to win multiple championships. He wants to be considered the best. Um, it's early in his career, certainly, but um, he's got that that long-term goal out there, and obviously you're chasing Brady in those regards. So having a head-to-head right now where Brady, who knows, this may be the last time they get this this opportunity. He's got the final opportunity to get a little ha-ha in and, and get, get one more title. And then if, if Mahomes doesn't win this one, then, uh, you know, he's he, he might be in a little bit of trouble in terms of uh, the overall kind of legacy when it's all said and done, we'll be having those nice arguments in 10 to 15 years. How did Patrick recover from his concussion protocol? Pretty well. Uh, and how is his foot, uh, Josh, as far as you can tell us? Yeah, I, it didn't look like it impacted him at all in the AFC Championship game. Now they had uh, kind of a, an orthotic, I guess, in the, in the shoe and had a lot of protection on that toe. But he ran around much better than he was in the uh, divisional round of the uh, the postseason. The concussion thing, kind of a kind of still kind of a gray area. Um, I, I believe that the case was made that he did not suffer an actual concussion, but was knocked out in some other means, and so he kind of breezed through that process. And it was more by the end of the the week uh, leading up to the AFC Championship game, it was more about that injured toe, which did. Uh, impact him the game prior but looked good ran around and and now uh expects to be a full go it was interesting though they didn't have him on the injury report with the toe ahead of the afc championship they had him with the uh toe after the afc championship game but uh they don't expect it to be any any problem come next sunday chiefs took care of the bills in the afc title game they're in the super bowl against tom brady and the buccaneers who are playing at home and if you say that brady and mahomes are the two best players on the field Number three in line would be Travis Kelsey. He is just phenomenal. Uh, what has yeah, he, transpired this year, Josh, to to take him even to another level? Well, he's got he's got a, a unspoken communication with the quarterback, and that helps. And he is absolutely the outlet if if the play breaks down. And they've got a kind of unspoken. I know where you'll be. You know where I'll be. Uh, if things break down, here's where we meet. Uh, and they have uh, just developed that report tremendously. And then. He's just taking it up a notch. Uh, I don't know how you guard him. I don't know who you put on him. Teams have tried multiple different ways to do it. Um, we've seen way too many teams probably try, and I, and I hate giving like tips to, to other teams of how to, how, how to do it. I feel like I, I turned into that mode a little bit with Travis Kelsey because uh, you try to put a corner on him, and he's going to outmuscle him. Uh, you put a linebacker on him, he's going to be too quick. Um, he has just turned himself into a really, really unguardable 
uh, piece of this offense. And then obviously had uh, his fifth straight 1,000-yard season and has uh, elevated the the tight end position into a whole new realm, but but he is a, a, an absolute na- matchup nightmare still. And if you allocate too much to him, that's going to leave Tyreek Hill open. It's going to leave the third option open, whatever that is on each particular day. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a nice piece to have. I never thought I was always a massive Tony Gonzalez fan. I never thought that there would be a tight end that would ever eclipse Tony Gonzalez uh, in a Chiefs uniform. And uh, Travis Kelsey is doing everything to make that case. I hear you. That's a great point. I used to love watching Gonzalez play. Uh, finally, and what a staff this is. I mean, you've got Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, who's going to be a head coach in this league, and our old friend Steve Spagnolo is on mm-hmm. the sideline coaching the defense. I guess the final thing here, uh, Josh, is it's early here and we've got a week to go, but looking at this game, how does that defense, which is really good, uh, stop Tom Brady and, and get the job done here? Well, certainly getting pressure in his face is still the the number one M.O. You play with a little fire in that regard. But um, Steve Spagnuolo has been able to dial up this defense, and this defense has kind of dialed itself up as well at opportune times. If there's something you can accuse them of, I think a little bit this season, it's kind of playing to level the competition. But when they're dialed in and those playoff teams that they're facing, they were really locked in the AFC Championship game, and I expect them to be again in the Super Bowl. But um, you'll bring blitzes from a number of different avenues, He'll move Tyron Matthew all over the field. He'll uh, use other corners to to, to uh, come in and blitz. And then the front four plays well and can get in the face of Tom Brady. Um, Chris Jones and Tom Brady have had a nice little uh, seemingly uh, defensive line versus quarterback battle over the years. And so um, you get you get him amped up and getting in the face of the quarterback. That's going to be the, the number one goal of this defense. So um, the stats of this defense don't always indicate, I think, how well they have played at times and Certainly they're a defense that plays for the biggest moments, so uh, there's no bigger moment than what's going to come on Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Super Bowl 55, the Chiefs and the Bucks. Josh Klingler, sideline reporter for the Chiefs Radio Network. Appreciate this very much. Thank you very much for being with us. All right, have a good one, Tom. I'm going to be listening. you got you got so much going on. Becky Sauerbrunn, <laughs> I know she's, she played in Kansas City for to... a while too, so, yep. so, uh, so yeah, looking forward to hear that next, I guess. I, Am I teasing I'm just trying to – I'm just trying to outdo you and Fesco at KCSP, our <laughs> intercom station there, 610. Uh, you guys are so good. I appreciate it, Josh. Thank you so much. All right. Anytime, Tom. Good to have him on. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX continues with the aforementioned Becky Sauerbrunn right after this. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I'm going to introduce this amazing guest here in just a moment. But this is the coldest garage happy hour on record. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about it. 27 degrees here in uh, Ladue, where Becky Sauerbrunn went to high school. Uh, and she is uh, tremendous. She's the captain of the United States women's national team. She's a two-time World Cup champion. She is an Olympian, uh, Olympic gold. And... Uh, one of the best defenders in the world. Becky Sauerbrunn is with us on the Garage Happy Hour. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing it. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me on. And uh, a great professional, too. You play for Portland, and you are in Portland right now, aren't you? Yeah. I finally, in all my career, and it's been a pretty long career, I finally live in the same city that I play. Uh, that's awesome. You like Portland, don't you? It's a great city? It is. It's a really great city. It's got a lot of character, good beer, good coffee, good books, good independent businesses. So very happy here. 
Good people. My uh, stepsister lives in Portland. Good, just down-to-earth people, you know? There you just go. really like they, they know who they are, and uh, they're, they're, they're just real. Very authentic people here. Yeah, great, great place. St. Louis uh, misses you, loves you, and uh, I'm actually, as I mentioned, right down the street from where you went to school. In fact, my daughters, uh, age 14 and 10, are in the Ladue School District, and so pretty neat thing. I'm sure that some Ladue folks are going to be able to catch this video and be very happy to see Becky Sauerbrunn. Now, what are your uh, memories of growing up in St. Louis? Oh, man. I mean, I really, really love St. Louis. Obviously, it's like my formative years were spent there. Great supportive family. Played a bunch of sports in high school, so really got to know a lot of people. Still have some really good friends. Still stay in touch with some of my my teachers, actually, from Ladue. So uh, just really fond memories and a good place to grow up. Absolutely. Uh, it is a great place. It's a great family town, isn't it? Just, uh, and you had two older brothers and, you know, just, I know that the, the, the kids in this town, you know, we all stay in touch. That's the thing. It's just a great place to be. It, yeah, it really is. I mean, both my brothers, their families, my mom and dad are still there. So like, yeah, it's people just don't want to leave St. Louis. I totally get it. I'm kind of the odd one that kind of flew the coop really young. Um, but it definitely has a draw that you want to come back and you want to experience St. Louis and be around people that you grew up with and you know. So it's it's tough being away, but part of the job. You had uh, a great career here in high school. I mean, you play playing in high school. You were a great soccer player, but you played hoops also and some other sports, right? Yeah, I played volleyball too. And honestly, I loved all of it. And they're all so different from soccer. But honestly, like I can't see my past like any differently because those sports were just so great to play. And the people that I met that were different from the soccer players, like just having those interactions and making those types of friends and having that camaraderie, um, really enjoyed it. And I never in my life thought that I would love volleyball, but like to this day, I'm still kind of like, man, I really wish I could play more volleyball. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you watch those sports? Do you try to catch those sports and, and keep in touch? I do. I do. It's funny now that I'm on the West Coast, I get a lot of like the, the college networks. And so sometimes I'm just like watching a random college volleyball game and just being like, what am I doing? Like I could probably <laughs> be doing something else, but it's enthralling. Yeah. Well, an athlete respects other athletes, right? And, and you've, there are so many options now. I mean, that you can watch. Remember, we, I feel like, um, you know, you're a little younger than me, but we had to kind of wait to for the biggest games now it's like every night you got uh, 20 games to choose from yeah and I mean there's still I would say a misrepresentation of women like we only get about four percent of sports coverage and so I think that's something that still needs a lot of work but when I turn on the TV yeah you're right there's so many more options to watch sports now and and hopefully you know sometime soon it'll be a lot of women a hundred percent and uh, I think that that is changing day by day but the more exposure that we give it and it's our responsibility I believe uh, in the sports media to play that role and uh, we are certainly trying to, to help that along and Becky Sauerbrunn being here is uh, one of the best soccer players in the world is here on the garage happy hour that's a that's a great point to make um, you know looking back and and I wish now so like I said I'm a little older than you so I didn't get to see you play um, as much as I would have liked to, uh, but I, I, I can just imagine what a fabulous uh, soccer talent you were. And then before that, with all of the sports that you were exposed to, what made you stay with soccer? How did you know? 
Well, I think St. Louis has such like a rich history of soccer, especially on the men's side. I mean, going back all the way into like 1950s, you think about that World Cup team and like half of those guys were from St. Louis. And so I think I, I grew up playing with people that loved the sport and were connected to the history of the sport from the city. And so I find myself like looking back and being very fortunate that the coaches that I had, the people that I surrounded myself with, like they really, really loved the game and they wanted it to be played in the beautiful way. And so I learned how to play soccer in kind of a timeless way that's really helped me kind of with the longevity of my career. Like the sport continually kind of evolves, but you know, the the principles and the fundamentals, like those stay the same. And I was taught that like those were ingrained into me because those will never change. How did you drive yourself to be better and did you have to find balance sometimes you have to sort of find some balance in your life to be better you know what I mean when you know you're good right and you're told that you're good you you have to not put too much pressure on yourself I would imagine yeah and I would say that is like a continuing journey for me I often am not as you say very balanced and I can get really analytical and really dissect my performance and find every bad little thing. And obviously that's extremely unhealthy. And so for a long time that would affect my confidence. And as I've gotten older and my careers, um, you know, taken off a little bit more, it's, it's really about brushing off the small things, making the mistakes, learning from the mistakes um, and really just kind of like crumpling it up and like tossing it away. You can't just weigh, weigh yourself down with all these things that you've done wrong. You really just have to learn and grow from them. And so that's something that I've really very happily have gotten better at as I've gotten older. Um, and as far as like just the, the motivation to keep getting better, I guess I think that's innate in each person. And I also have found that the challenge excites me and I love that I can still get better at aspects of this sport, even though I've been playing it for so long. Um, and I still feel like there are levels that I haven't reached in my game. And, and I just love that I can maybe like touch, touch a new level and then be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And then really have to put in the work to kind of stay at that level. And so I just, every single day is a challenge. I feel like I can still get better. And to me, that's addicting. Uh, I want to, I'm going to jump around a lot, but let's go to the most recent piece of news, aside from the fact that you beat Columbia and back-to-back friendlies, but um, named captain. And that was announced just before that camp and those friendlies. What did that mean to you? You were co-captain with uh, Carly Lloyd prior to that. I mean, it's just an incredible honor. And I know people kind of throw that word around sometimes. But I think when you're ever named kind of a, a captain or a leader of other people, like it has it has honor to it. It has a lot of responsibility. And it's not it's not an easy thing to do to be able to lead people. And I'm very fortunate. And I've said this a lot that my team is made up of lots of leaders. And so we all lead in very different ways. And if you saw me on the sideline, like rah, 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 like that's just not me. But fortunately there are people on the team that can fill those weaknesses of mine. And really that's how your team is successful. You kind of all gather your strengths. And so it minimizes everyone's weaknesses. And so luckily I've got a lot of players that, um, are so authentic in the way that they they lead and are the best versions of themselves, and it allows everyone else to be their best versions of themselves. You're able to guide younger players. That has to be very satisfying, knowing that you once were one of those younger players uh, to be guided. And, and you know, like you said, they they can kind of follow your lead um, in many different ways and watch how you prepare and how you lead others. Because someday 
they're going to be put in a leadership role. Absolutely. And a lot of my responsibility is to empower them and to kind of find where they fit into the team and what they offer and what they can put on the table and not allow them to, to kind of just hide and, and just kind of ride the waves. Like that's not what this team is about. Like you have to offer something, you have to put a little bit of skin in the game. And so like, I strongly believe that, that leaders create leaders. And so doesn't really matter how young you are, like you better be ready because this team requires a lot. And it's going to ask you to, to give a lot. Stay tuned. We have more with Becky Sauerbrunn, the captain of the United States women's national team for my garage happy hour. Tom Ackerman sports on a Sunday morning right after this. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. I think about you know, 2000. You know, uh, that's uh, my interview with Becky Sauerbrunn. We're going to play that in just a second. I wanted to mention that uh, the Sports on a Sunday Morning is podcast. It's up on iTunes. You can go to Radio.com's app and rewind for the next 24 hours. But KMOX.com and iTunes have it, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you. Here's the captain of the United States Women's National Team, Becky Sauerbrunn. I think about 2011, that semifinal in Germany, that was the moment for you, wasn't it? I mean, you got the opportunity to play in that game against France, a game that you won. Yeah, that was wild because I had maybe like 10 or 11 caps going into that tournament, which for a World Cup is is not a lot of experience. Really wasn't thinking I was going to play a single minute. Thought my role was just going to be, you know, make sure the other center backs are as prepared as possible and then a red card and I got the nod and all of a sudden I'm playing in the semifinal of a world cup, which for any soccer player is just like the, yeah. the top of the mountain as far as like competition goes. And then to be in a semifinal, no less, you know, like, honestly, I was just like, you cannot screw this up for the team, whatever you do. <laughs> Don't screw this up for the team. Um, and luckily I didn't do too, too bad, but yeah, you're right. That was kind of a pivotal moment for me where I was kind of thrown into the deep end and I actually could swim. And so kind of a moment, pivotal moment for me that, okay, I could have a future doing this. What a reward because, and we'll get, we got some great questions that are going to come in, but we, you, um, following up on that, you really wanted to be on that team. I mean, you really worked extremely hard in you for that 2011 opportunity. Oh, yes. I mean, ever since I watched the 1990s win um, at the Rose Bowl, like I knew that I needed to experience what they felt on the field that day. And so from 14, it was just kind of like my dream was to be on the team. And everyone's journey is so different to get to the national team. And, and mine was, you know, pretty rocky, actually. I, I got called in in 2008, right out of college, got to play my first two games, and then I was let go. And I wasn't kind of in the picture for another two and a half years. And I just randomly got a call up from the coach at the time because there was an injury in a camp and they needed an alternate. And they called me up. was like, hey, can you... Uh, show up at camp tomorrow. Um, we'd like you to fill in some space, be another body. I was like, absolutely, I'll be there. <laughs> we win, and honestly, that I made the team. I made the roster for 2011, and really, I, I re- probably shouldn't have. It was just, it was a lot of luck. It was an amazing opportunity, but you also need to make the most out of those opportunities when they come. And and look, you just got to take it wherever you can. And so, yeah, I put a lot of work in. I was in. I like to call it the wilderness, where you just don't know where you where you are in your career and I put my head down and I worked really hard and luckily I I got I got that chance wow 10 years ago you know that's that's (laughs) hard to believe isn't it 
Also, so long. also means it's been ten years since the Cardinals won the World Series, but that's another story. Uh, yeah, you know. Are you? Uh, before we continue, uh, you follow the Cardinals pretty closely. I wouldn't say closely, but if I have to choose a team, it's definitely the Cardinals. Yeah, and then of course the Blues winning the cup. Uh, you know, oh, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I was actually there for one of the games in the playoffs. And I'd like to think that I was one of the reasons they turned it around and actually went all the way. So I'll take a little bit of credit for that. Uh, you absolutely should. We should. <laughs> we should give you credit. We've got to get you up on that board at Enterprise Exactly. Center. Yeah. Make sure we – you know, I see Patrick Mahomes up there. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. he's he became a Blues fan. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn, it's just awesome to have you. So um, 2011, you did not win that uh, World Cup. Uh, you came up with the silver. And I know while that was uh, a bitter taste – there was a lot, a lot more to come. And for you personally, it was a huge moment to be able to play in that World Cup. But the following year, so 2012 Olympics, tell me about that experience, what that was like for you. When you think about the Olympics, and I think talking with some of my teammates that aren't from the U.S., I don't think they hold the Olympics in the same esteem as Americans do. Like Americans, they think Olympics, and it's just like, whoa. And for me, that's how it felt. And so – making the Olympic roster, which is a smaller roster than the World Cup. It's five less players. So that in itself, I was like, wow, what a, what an amazing thing. I can call myself an Olympian. And then I got to play in a few of the games and like not a lot of time. I was honestly like in the semifinal of the Olympics, I got called into action and like double overtime. So once again, I'm entering a game and being like, don't ruin it for the team. Don't ruin it for the team. And we wound up winning this like stunner of a game and then wind up playing Japan, which is the team we lost to in 2011 so right there like what a great narrative you're playing the team that beat you in 2011 and then to beat them I was on the field I got to play like the last 10 minutes um to be on the field and and to win a gold medal and to say like not only am I an Olympian I'm a gold medal Olympian like to the, to this day I'm like this is so bizarre like what is my life <laughs> just awesome you know and uh you know you're there with uh, the great Olympians I mean one of the guests we had on this show uh, over the summer Jackie Joyner Kersey you know Olympian <laughs> gold medalist I mean and by the way can I say that you know you mentioned this earlier in the show so that's that's a talking point that I like to touch on is that you know I no longer say Jackie Joyner Kersey I should have done this a long time ago you know Jackie Joyner Kersey one of the greatest female athletes uh in, in history no one of the greatest athletes in history like it's it's okay. We can, you know, we can say one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world. Um, and uh, what a special, special group to be in. Uh, you keep, I'm sure a million people have asked you where you keep that medal. You keep it pretty close to you? Actually, I gave it to the Hall of Fame for U.S. soccer. So it is on display in Texas. And I think they actually have my 2015 World Cup medal as well. But I should probably get those back at some point. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I gave them away. I gave them away. The other ones are um, on my bookshelf. Yeah, they're just hanging around. Oh, that's, well, hey, you know, <laughs> so you can see them, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, your bookshelf where you, uh, you are an avid reader. And that probably helps, right? Take your mind off of, of things because you talked about how, you know, locked in you can you can find yourself sometimes. For sure. And you're completely right. When I, especially in camp or in those major tournaments and you just need to get away and recharge your batteries and you're, I mean, you're constantly surrounded by people all the time and I'm a bit of an introvert. So you really have to just cut out this time to just recharge your batteries. And like for, for me, books do it. So I travel with books. And yeah, they've, they've really helped me through the years and, you know, there's never, you can never read too many books. There's always great ones coming out. So I definitely 
rely on them quite a bit to try, try to find that balance. Do you do audiobooks or, um, or, or do, you, do you have the physical book with you? Do you have like readers? Or? I do both. So I, I definitely have my iPad and then I try to bring a couple of physical books because there's just something so nice about holding a book and just like turning the pages. And also I feel like my eyesight from just staring at the iPad is probably just getting so, so terrible. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to teach the kids, uh, definitely, that reading is good. My daughter, my oldest one, who's 14, who goes to Ladue Middle, uh, the other day she was doing laundry downstairs, which is, a, that's great. I'm, I'm very happy about that. But she was doing laundry, and then I noticed that I was down in the basement doing some work and watching a game, and I noticed that she was in there for a while. I'm like, you're all right in there? And I went in there, and she was like half putting the clothes in the dryer and half reading a book. <gasps> what was she reading? Uh, I don't remember. She's got she's got a couple of them going right now. But she had she was sitting there look, reading the book and doing doing laundry at the same time. I'm like that's good. I like yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's like a chore and something educational together. I mean what a combination. Could a dad. dad. <laughs> Could a dad ask for any more? Wait, I want to ask you about the the World Cup in just a moment. By the way, we're sponsored by Ameren, Illinois. Stay tuned for a message uh, at the end of our conversation from the great people at Ameren, Illinois. We have had so many amazing sponsors this year on the Garage Happy Hour. Um, Sam, can you put the question back up there from Rusty, I believe, was one that I really liked. There are uh, some. There's Rusty. Um, what age did you start competitive sports or traveling for sports when you were young? Were you an every weekend type family? You know, youth sports, uh, very, very popular. And, you know, you have to have a very dedicated family, don't you, Becky? Yes, you definitely have to have a very dedicated family or a support system that can haul you around Missouri or haul you around the region because traveling and really like when you get into the the heart of competitive sports and you really want to make a future out of it like it is a lot of dedication for that person but for the family as well so i'd say when i became kind of that every weekend type uh that was probably around age of 14 i would say i mean it's it's kind of a different landscape now but i joined the olympic development program around that time and so yeah my parents were driving me all over missouri for for a random training session on like a thursday or friday night and it, it's a lot to ask. It really is. And now as I'm like thinking about parenting and like doing the same for my child, I'm like, wow, my, my parents were, were awesome. And I'm very, very thankful for all the support they've shown me through the years because I would not be here without them. She became one of the greatest soccer players in the world, St. Louis's own Becky Sauerbrunn, a final segment with the United States women's national team captain after this. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you, continuing our Garage Happy Hour conversation with the captain of the United States women's national team, Becky Sauerbrunn, a very popular St. Louisan in this soccer-crazed city. It's amazing. The youth soccer scene here in St. Louis is really special, isn't it? And it's about to take off even more with St. Louis City SC joining the, the community. I mean, what, a, what an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be amazing. What do you think about uh, having an MLS team back here? You, you know, you've of course uh, you play in the NWSL, the the highest level of women's professional soccer, and you've you've played for some great communities. But St. Louis deserved this, I think, didn't they? Oh, I 100% agree. And I think 
there's always been the, the talk of having it in St. Louis and, and maybe it just wasn't the right time and maybe we didn't have the right ownership or couldn't get that stadium approved, but it seems like everything is, is going well. And I love that it's, it's a mostly majority female owned ownership group. Yeah. If I remember that correctly. So I think that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I mean, St. Louis deserves professional soccer and I know that Kansas city is coming back now for the NWSL. I played in Kansas city for five years um, but there is something about St. Louis and just the history of St. Louis. And so I'd really like to see a women's professional team come back as well. I would love to see it too. I'd love to see you part of it at some point. Uh, <laughs> Becky Sauerbrunn. Um, I, you know, I think about the world cup and the amount of time that, and passion that I put into it. It really was both of uh, both of the wins for the United States, not only for myself, but it was just amazing to see what that meant to the United States and how so many people, were enthused by it um of course it means so much for girls and so much for women um and, and you know girls wanting to to learn to play the sport but i just love the fact that it became america's team and uh that that the country was behind it did you feel that let's go back to 2015 um what did you feel in terms of support as as that team started to to roll 2015 because it was in canada I think the fact that we had the majority of fans every single game, I think we knew like, wow, this is a, this is a pretty big deal. And that final, and then you, you just looked out and it was just a sea of red, white, and blue. Honestly, it was like 12th man. Like we had it in the bag. We had the energy. Um, and then to finally get that win after so many years um, and to come back to the States and celebrate and have the ticker tape parade in New York, people just seemed like so excited and they seemed like that after 2011 too, but it, it seems like every time that we compete in the World Cup, the attention, the hopefully if we keep winning, just the reception that we get when we come back to the States um, just keeps growing and growing. And, and then obviously 2019 just recently happened and another ticker tape parade, another, you know, just outpouring of happiness for us. And it's, it's funny because you say like we're America's team, um, and it's, it's interesting because we got kind of some, some backlash for something that happened in 2019. So it's, it's nice to hear you say that, but I also know that, you know, our, this team stands up for things and kneels for things. And some people take that in certain ways and, you know, think that we're disrespecting the United States and how we celebrate our goals when we score 13 goals against Thailand. And so there's a lot of, about our team that, rubs people the wrong way too but i guess you know that's also america right <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of ideologies a lot of different hopefully dialogue going on a lot of differing opinions but that's what this team is hey we just saw you know in the last year um and it it uh, in some respects of course it continues but we've seen in the last year um, a lot of voices heard and a lot of discussion about who we are and our relationships with each other and um, you know, the plea for so many of us, and I'll include myself in that, to try to come together to, to solve our issues together. And what, one thing about that 2019, you know, like there was a huge difference, I thought, from 15 to 19, of course, in terms of who you were and, and what happened was you grew into this entity, this United States Women's National Team that had a voice and you used it. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely important, I'm sure, for you personally you probably grew into your own also accepting the fact that, hey, and before that happened, um, 
I can do this. I can, I could use my voice to, to make a difference. Did you feel that too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think enough of the, of the, you know, just shut up and dribble sort of, sort mm-hmm. of thing for athletes. Um, we have a platform and I know that on my national team, we feel a responsibility and not an obligation, but a responsibility and the honor of having that platform and using it to try to affect change and good change. And to be a part of that program, it's not enough just to, just to play on the field. Like you have to not be satisfied with, with everything and to work towards the betterment of all people. And so that's what we do. And for me personally, it's been a journey of, of really discovering my voice. I mean, I've been on the team, like you said, for 10 years and you, you learn. And luckily I've had some amazing people that came before me that stood up for things. And so you kind of get past this baton and you better make the most of it while you have it. So many great personalities on that team too. Like, I, I mean, really, I mean, you know, you have, and you all have a, that's, and that's like the, it's like in a family, you know, in the, in your family, when you have uh, holiday gatherings, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, you have such a, a, a great group of different voices and you, I think, um, settle in like perfectly. I don't see you as somebody that like wants to stand out and, and be seen necessarily. You like to lead on the field. You lead with your feet on the pitch. You lead with your feet. Um, but you know, you, you are a, a quiet leader and I th- have you sort of, um, I guess told yourself or said, you know, this is who I am. This is how I can be the best for this team. I don't, I don't, uh, I know who I am and, and how I like to conduct myself. Yeah, exactly. I think you're the most influential and you have the best presence when you're authentic to who you are. And I know who I am and I, I don't really like the spotlight. Um, but luckily I have teammates that thrive in the spotlight. And so why not let them have it? Cause they do the most with it. And so you think of players like Abby Wambach that I played with or Megan Rapino, like they do great things and, and people are attracted to them and the presence and the gravity that they have. And so that's great. Like I will let them shine and I will do things in the background to, to make it that they can shine the most. So, and I'm completely content with that and that's okay with me. And do you see yourself as the center back as just consistency? Is that the name of your game mostly? Yeah. And that's a, it's an easy thing to say. Um, And maybe people don't value it as highly, but I think as a center back, as a defender to have like for a coach to know what you're going to get out of a player every single day. And maybe it's not going to be a 10, but you know, it's not going to be a five. So if they're always a seven or an eight and you can rely on that, Um, I think there's a lot of value and I think the way that I show up every day, the focus, you know, not just the the things I can do on the field, but those like non-negotiables, the things that you should always bring. Like I focus on making sure I can bring those every day. And so I think that allows my teammates to know what they're going to get out of me every single day as well. The accountability, the responsibility, the resiliency. And so consistency, yes, that's my game. And I'm very proud of that. You know, I think back to, I keep referring to former guests of the show, but two that, that I think of, Albert Pujols and Ozzie Smith. Here are two people who, of course, spectacular. I mean, what Albert Pujols did in his career and continues, um, he, he said it's about, his, about to wrap it up, but, he's, but at his prime, he was just, you know, yeah. amazing. The guy hits three home runs in a World Series game. He does all these things, but the consistency, arrival, preparation, making sure that he does everything he has to do to be great every single day and then performing at that level. Ozzie Smith, when you 
when you go to YouTube and type in Ozzy Smith, it's Ozzy doing a flip. It's Ozzy diving. It's Ozzy making these plays that like defy uh, logic and, and physics. But it was the routine plays, the consistency, right? Every single day, he made those things look easier than they than they were. I think that's really what you're talking about here. The that's that's how you succeed in in this game. Yeah, I think one of the the best compliments you can receive is that you make you make things look easy because that means you're doing it right and you're doing it right almost every single time. Yeah, what a what a great career you've had, no doubt about it. Um, I do you. I want to go back to the pressure of playing as a team, knowing uh, that you had won in 2015 and then 2019, um, and what that's like. I mean, of course, all the outside noise that's going on too. But how do you when you get to that point? I mean, you are now international superstars and basically expected to take this thing, even with all the competition. Like, these countries, these teams are so good. I mean, so how were you able to fight off that pressure internally as a group? Yes. So I think one of the the best quotes about our team is about pressure and how other teams kind of like visit these pressure situations, but we constantly live in these pressure situations. And so I'm on a team where every single day when I show up to train, like I'm, I'm having to perform, I'm being evaluated and the pressure of that and competing against the best in the world every single day, competing against yourself, fighting for these, roster spots, uh, fighting for these friendlies to play in, in, like just the minutes. You're fighting for minutes every single day. So we kind of live in this pressure. And yeah, it gets elevated when you get to a World Cup, but because we've lived and gotten so comfortable with being uncomfortable, it doesn't hit us as hard as some of these other countries. And so like going into that quarterfinal in 2019 where we're playing France in Paris, Friday night, you know, very heavily French crowd and no one really thought like yeah sure people thought the United States might win but like they thought France was was favorite obviously just because of all the things and that's pressure and for us to come away with that win in the way that we did it I think it's just a testament to the program you know all the people that came before us the the standards that were set by Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Michelle Akers you know you have to have that fabric and material in yourself in order to handle those situations. And luckily we came through in 2019, but we, we definitely had to earn it. Absolutely. They did. Becky Sauerbrunn, the captain of the United States women's national team. I'm going to leave you with this thought that she gave me about women. We talked about it in the beginning of the show, women needing more airtime on sports. And she said, do you have women in the room making those decisions? Are women being promoted? Are we put on the best fields? Are we given the best commentators, the best coverage, or is it kind of an afterthought? Becky Sauerbrunn said, I think people can see right through that. If we're treated like second class, then that's what people are going to see. Some interesting thoughts from her. Thanks to producer James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.